From creator Frank Mueller comes the comic series, The Devil You Know. One late night, Graydon Cross comes home to find his family slaughtered and Satan himself standing before him. Fueled with rage, he rushes towards Satan, but is struck down before he gets to have his revenge. Upon his death, God appears before Graydon and gives him a choice. Graydon Cross, I am God. Your family and yourself were murdered by Satan. You may choose heaven, hell, or revenge. I'll send you to hell with powers I've given you to kill Satan. But if you kill Satan, you must become him. Do we have a deal? Deal. His desire for revenge too strong to ignore, Graydon agrees to God's terms and descends to hell on a mission to assassinate the devil and avenge his family. Upon finding himself in hell, Graydon must battle his way through an army of demons, all the while discovering the limitations of his new powers. The Devil You Know, written by Frank Mueller, available on Comixology and AcesAndAidsPress.com. You're listening to the Candare Podcast, your sidekick in the quest for knowledge, power, and entertainment. So strap yourselves in and prepare for victory! Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Canned Air, a tribute to comics and pop culture. I am Jeremy Colley. Jack Doherty. And returning to the show today, we have the co-founder of AcesAndEightsPress.com, Frank Mueller. Thanks for being back with us, Frank. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to talking with you. You know, it's funny, since you've been on here, your name keeps popping up on the show. Yeah. Yeah, we, uh, it seems like some of my friends in independent comics uh, have been on the show, so we run in like the same circles, I guess. Well, you should have just been like, oh, I don't know those people. Those must be fans, you know? <laughs> Run with it, Frank. Well, we got a good show for you today. We're going to be talking about Halo uh, in celebration of Halo 5's release. When Next is that? Next week. Next week? Yep. Wow, coming right up. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, we're just going to be getting nostalgic on Halo, the whole franchise. Uh, then we're going to be later turning our attention over to Frank. So let's just get started with this week's Retro Roundtable. Here we go! <laughs> all right guys halo this has got to be one of my all-time favorite games i've yeah. lost more hours to this game than anything <laughs> i lost a couple friends to it too I think. <laughs> no not really so I, I grew up uh i grew up a playstation kid my brother so i have a brother that's five years younger than me and what we did was we just staggered like our game systems right so i would have like a genesis he'd have a nintendo I had a PlayStation, he had an Xbox. So I remember when, when he first came home with Halo, I just I, I played the shit out of that game nonstop. Oh, I played but it I, for a little bit, but I stopped because it was freaking hard. It was such a great game. And like, so I'm like from an older generation. Like, so I'm 30, I'm going to be 38 pretty soon. So first person shooters, I, I have this theory that like, I'll never like people my age will just never be as good as like the younger generation at first person shooters. Like we didn't grow up. With like Call of Duty, and like right. so like when I see like younger people pick like when I try to play Call of Duty against them or any of those games and they're like whipping around, I get nauseous. Oh, I'm like, yeah. how, I'm like, how can you shoot people that that fast and that accurately? I just can't. Right. You know? So, but with so with Halo, what I would always do is I would uh, I would always just grab like a rocket launcher, 
So I knew I didn't really have to be accurate. I just had oh, to shoot, yeah. like, your general direction. <laughs> shoot down the corridor from the other side of the map and just hope. Uh, I remember there's one great game. I was playing my brother. And it's, like, one of those things. Because, you know, it was, like, a party thing they used to do. Like, you know, you'd have, like, a party set up. And, like, four people playing at the same oh, time. Yeah. And everybody just sitting there. And I remember I'm playing him one time. And I'm chasing him. And I'm looking at him in the map. And I have my rocket launcher. And he's running down this corridor. Uh, where like the armor would respawn you know and, like he gets there and there's like nothing there so he turns around i'm like watching him on his computer and i'm just standing he sees me just standing in front of him in a rocket launcher i gave him like this arnold schwarzenegger one-liner i was like end of the line and i just shot like, this <laughs> launcher right in his face that was like my, my my greatest kill ever <laughs> nice. we screwed what at one house i lived at we had a couple of roommates and in the basement we had two tvs both with an xbox on it and then my other buddy was in his upstairs bedroom and he had a Xbox, so we had it all land connected, and we'd like four of us would be downstairs playing on split screen, and he'd be up in his room all oh, by yeah. himself playing. And we we'd sit there and play, and all of a sudden, hey, watch this. We walk over to the the router, and I'd unplug it because I had all the router stuff right there by us. Right. So all of a sudden, you just hear. <laughs> coming downstairs put my cord back in guys are jerks <laughs> we all sit there cracking up laughing at him that we'd always hang up on him oh yeah we had one of those <laughs> we had one of those guys it, but it's funny because each time you could lure him into the trap like <laughs> so easily like we're not going to do it this time we're going to play legitimately all right, let's go. <laughs> Two minutes later, you hear him throw the controller in the next room. I'm out of here. <laughs> Come on, I'm not going to do it anymore. I remember my one friend, Rich, was so good at it that he would be able to, like, jump. Like, so he would, like, jump over me with the pistol, and he would, like, zoom in and just shoot me in the head as he's jumping over me. I hated <laughs> playing with him because it was, like, it was impossible to beat him. Well, the pistol just, was just the weapon to have in the first game. I mean, yeah. that oh, yeah. was the best weapon by far. But yeah, you could, uh, boy, you could beat the crap out of someone with that thing too. You know, <laughs> it, was, yeah. it was a powerful. You knew weapon. how to aim that thing and shoot it. It was just two headshots. You were dead. Absolutely. That's the same way with the shotgun. People would run with it just aimed just high enough where they'd come around the corner, and if you were there, boom, instant. Yeah, I I hated the shotgun. I spent so many hours on this game. And <laughs> kind of going back to what uh, Frank said, I only ever really had a PlayStation uh, around that time when Xbox was big. And my buddy was at boot camp. And while he was there, got one. Mm. And so when he came home, he brought it with him. So me and a couple other buddies went over to his house to see him when he was coming home from boot camp for the first time in like, I don't know, seven months, something like that. Isn't that how long boot camp typically is? Uh, yeah, pretty much. Something like that. And uh, I feel bad to this day about it. But we got in the door and he had the Xbox hooked up with Halo. And the, me and my buddy sat down to try it out and didn't move for six hours <laughs> he just went to the next room did his own thing i think eventually went to bed i felt bad but we were glued like <laughs> time flies oh going round after round playing i was obsessed i had experienced nothing like it i mean we had perfect dark we had golden eye those shooters mm -hmm. but this was the first game that at least i remember getting the x and y axis you know you're walking and you're looking joysticks yeah that took a long time to get used to, not to mention the size of the Xbox controller at the time. Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah. that huge. thing turned me off for a while. Until it was like holding a block those. of cheese or something, yeah. you know? <laughs> but once you got used to it, though, it was hard to play with anything else. 
uh, I never got used to it because by the time I actually got my own Xbox, I they had the S controller out, which was still bulky but much smaller than that's when uh, I got mine too. Yeah, the big one. Yep. So I never had one of the great big ones. <laughs> All right. So what about favorite like uh, multiplayer maps? I mean, I guess the first two or three games only delivered the most memorable. I can't really tell you any uh, from the newer ones, but I can't remember the name of it. But it was the it was like a big canyon. Yeah, that's my favorite one, too. I forgot what that one was, too. There was like a base in the middle, and there was tanks. (laughs) Yeah, Mud Gulch is definitely it. Yeah, Yeah, that was a great one. And then in Halo 2, I think they remade Blood Gulch because it was such a popular map. And they they made it bigger, and they made the base two stories with, like, uh, banshees in them, the flying things. Oh, yeah, the banshees. The banshees were great to drive. Oh, yeah. I love them. I mean, that was really what was cool about the game, too, is that you got all the vehicles you didn't really have a lot of games that you could hop into vehicles and fight as well right that was kind of like new and revolutionary and just really really awesome like the warthog was just awesome yeah yeah, yeah it was just a rag doll you could beat the crap out of it, and it <laughs> yeah. i mean nowadays it the thing will explode but in the first halo i mean it, you could just uh, yeah it didn't blow it up all you want it just <laughs> went all over the place yeah <laughs> just flipped it back over and got in there were glitches, too, in uh, Halo 1, like the sword. Remember the sword? Uh, there was some way you could maybe only work... That was work two, because in... there wasn't a sword in the first one. There was some kind of glitch in the first game. Yeah, no, the second one, you had to have the sword and the rocket launcher. And You're right, there. You had to use, like, hit the button to switch weapons and then hit the trigger at the same time and you would, like, jet across the screen with the sword. You know what I'm thinking of is, okay, it wasn't the sword thing, obviously. It was, uh, if you were playing Capture the Flag in Blood Gulch, there was a part of the, like, the side wall you could run to if you had the flag and you could throw it. And if you hit the wall just right, it would hit this weird angle and slide down and then take off, like, just a rocket <laughs> at your base. You're, you have your buddy over there waiting to catch it, and just it, it was impossible to do. But yeah, we we had uh, people do it to us before because we had our Xbox hooked up to the internet, like through Xbox Connect or something. I remember doing that. Yeah, but before there was Xbox Live. But what was the board where they had like that waterfall in the middle of it? Oh, uh, it was all purple. Yeah. Damnation. That one was cool because there were like bots you could hide, like could snipe people. Mm-hmm. It was just great. You just, I mean, you could just camp there and just wait for somebody to walk out and just bam. There was a trick in that level too, where you could, uh, you had to have high shields or an overshield, but you stand on this pipe and you look down and throw some grenades and you jump as they explode and it'll shoot you up onto the top wall, like the upper rim of that level. You could sit up there and just snipe all day and no one will ever find you. <laughs> oh, remember that not that much. I'm looking at it. You'd know it if you saw it. Yeah. Oh, you, you said you're looking at it. Yeah, I'm looking at pictures now. I don't remember that one offhand. Sidewinder was one of my favorites for, like, large team capture the flag. It was like a big U-shaped, like, snow world. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I like that one, too. That was a blast. So the one thing I didn't, I didn't like about Halo, the multiplayer, was that I hated um, how much, like, shield power you had. Like, I, I always hated, like, unloading an entire clip into somebody and them still being alive. Mm-hmm. You know, so even when we used to play Goldeneye, we would always put it on license to kill, which was, like, one-shot kill. Right. You know, and so it's like, you got somebody, they should be dead. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Well, so especially that, with, like, the machine gun, what you're saying, that you know, you have to have a full magazine, 
and yeah. land almost every bullet of that magazine mm-hmm. on them before they die. Because if you, yeah. you know, stray to the side, you'll run out, and then you have to reload or switch weapons. Quick. That's usually while I was loading. I, I unload my gun to take their uh, shield down, and that was just enough time for them to run and eat, mm-hmm. probably melee me. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it was usually like just like two guys running at each other, just like ridiculously firing their gun. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. both people being alive at the end of it. That was always my fallback in it is I, I would never shoot and then back up and try to stay alive. I'd always be charging at them, always. Yeah, I was, My uh, kill count was always so low. I was always big into just melee because I couldn't aim very well. So I, I was, <laughs> nothing's more terrifying than a guy just running at you like, you know, fist chopping. My, one of my buddies, when we were doing the Xbox Connect thing, at the time when we were playing Halo all the time, neither of us had a job. So I would get up, be at his house 10 in the morning. We'd play all day. I'd go home, start over the next day. We did this forever, <laughs> longer than I'm uh, willing to admit to. But what we would do is we'd like, go into Blood Gulch just by ourselves and find blind spots. Like, I'd be like, okay, I'm going to hide in a certain spot. Just run through like you normally would and see if you can see, mm. you know. So we had all the blind spots in Blood Gulch mapped out to where we could just stand somewhere right next to somebody, but based on their trajectory, they're more than likely going to run. They would never see you. Remember in Halo 2 with the voice talk, when you could talk in voice, it was proximity. So if you were close to someone, you could hear them. Yes. (laughs) We had a whole team of eight. It was me, all my friends in my house, and then a couple that were online playing. And we were just running, charging the other team's base, just going. Remember the show Crank Anchors? Mm-hmm. Well, it was I can't remember what his name, but he'd always be like, "Yay!" Yeah, we, <laughs> we kept doing that to everyone, just running constantly, just going, "Yay, yay!" <laughs> and here, after a little while, the other team was like, "Will you guys shut up? <laughs> yay!" Oh yeah, you'd have the microphones too. Yeah. I still don't play with microphones. I uh, like I I just still haven't gotten into it. I've done it a few times, and I'm like, this has just gotten a little too weird. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I. I just hate the uh, freedom it gives people. I mean, they just people act like jerks just yeah. because they can. Well, what are you yeah. going to do? You're on the other side of a microphone. Who knows where, you know? <laughs> Tell me where you are. I'm going to come over there. It's oh, like people okay. that talk shit on the Internet. You know, you would never yeah. say that stuff to the, you know, whoever you're directing at in person. Anonymity yeah, I've, is... I've had games of Madden where, like, people have just screamed the most awful stuff to me, like, and it just comes out of the TV. Yeah, and like my wife is like, "What the hell is going on?" I'm like, "This guy's really mad that I'm beating him." Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you ought to record some of those. Oh, it's terrible stuff people say. <laughs> Hearing young kids too sometimes that they get on there and swear like a sailor just because yeah. they can yeah. uh, it drives me nuts too. Or you get the one guy who just wants to make like random noises. Yeah, yeah. Just like, uh, my worst is the guy who has a rap song playing in the background way too loud that keeps turning his mic on. That or kids yeah. in the background or his girlfriend's talking to him and he's just carrying yeah. on a conversation or what? even on the phone. <laughs> yeah. What? What do, you, what do you mean? Yeah. No, I already did that. <laughs> no, no, I did that already. A little Shut kid like, Daddy, uh, Daddy, I'm hungry. Shut up. I'm playing a game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> fed you this oh, morning. Oh, true. You know, I never use the mic and headset unless I'm playing with like you or any of my other friends. But yeah. uh, my the exceptions like with Call of Duty because sometimes you get in a group with some people that want to play as a team. Yeah, 
and it helps to be able to talk to them and you know coordinate your moves instead of everyone just running their own way mm-hmm. like yeah. everyone typically does <laughs> what about uh, the show red versus blue oh man yeah that was that was a lot of fun it's i can't watch it so much now but uh it was a good show i want to see i it's on netflix now and i don't know yeah i, I saw it on netflix i, I guess I've they never watched it that. I don't know how long that went on. I don't. Know, did they only ever do it with Halo One? Did they not? Try no, to they do it? they've upgraded with the games. Oh, I, have I don't they? Know. Yeah, I'm not sure. I, I imagine they've gone all the way up with Halo Four. But yeah, on Netflix, you know how they're like what five minute episodes. Mm-hmm. Well, on Netflix it goes season one through I think it's like six or seven, but one season is like one whole run, so it's like seventy minutes. Oh, I see. So you got to sit there and watch like each little segment, the whole run through. Does it play the opening thing every time? I don't know. I haven't watched it yet. <laughs> what was the Halo movie? The uh, was it Forward, Forward, Unto, Forward Dawn? Unto Dawn? Yeah. Wow, that was a good movie. Yeah. That was. Really I, you know, good. all this time I still don't really remember the uh, the story all that well. It was uh, it was following recruits, like new recruits, yeah. like at the what the U U S. The UN, or UNSC or yeah UNSC there you are their academy like just followed a few recruits that were stumbling onto top secret information and by the end of it a full on uh, covenant attack happened yeah. right on the where they were and you get to see you know the covenant come in because when, when it first started it looked like uh, you were only going to see these cadets you weren't ever going to see Master Chief or anything familiar from mm-hmm. the games they were just trying to bridge their way into that universe. No, you totally see the Covenant, and then you see Master Chief, and... He's freaking huge. Yeah. He's straight up eight foot tall or somewhere like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. It was pretty neat. <laughs> I would, uh, you should watch it. I think that's also on Netflix. I'm not sure if it still is or not. I'm sure it might be. Was it Forward Unto Dawn? Because there was another, like, Yeah, animated... Forward Unto Dawn. I've seen it on Netflix. What's the animated I... thing I'm thinking of? Yeah. It's like Halo Legends. Yeah, it's I like a like bunch that. of small, like... It was like the Animatrix when the Matrix came out, a bunch right. of shorts. They did that with Batman, too. Uh, Arkham Knight or... Like, Halo 2, I remember, like, that that game, like, broke every record of sales at the time. It was, like, the biggest thing you could possibly ever have. I still yeah. have the uh, flyer for the midnight opening of that. Do you? I do. I actually found it the other day. I took a picture <laughs> of it. I'll have to put it on Instagram. But, yeah, I was uh, I was there at midnight, and I called off work the next day for that game and had it beat by 10 a.m. the next morning i mean that game i beat so fast (laughs) i was like this is it that's i waited all this time for that halo 3 ended faster than i thought i think we beat that in the evening quick it was me jeff and alex we were all three playing really and we blew through it and we were just like oh right because i don't think i had xbox live yet i didn't so once the campaign was done it was just waiting till the next time i saw my (laughs) friends to play the multiplayer you always want to come over Right. Please. I, me- I remember uh, when the flood first showed up, just how terrifying that was. Oh, oh God, it God. is still Tell for me. Tell me about it. I still hate seeing, walking and seeing those things crawling on the floor in swarms. Oh, man. They were yeah. all the, and the little tiny ones that were like heads that would run at you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, just, well, you had to have a shotgun to take those things down. Yeah. That scene was crazy because, uh, what is it? Like, he walks into that big room that's just empty and there's a guy's helmet on the floor a soldier's yeah. helmet he picks it up and he views that chip and sees something swarming all over him and killing him and then the door across the way op- like slides open and these things just swarm Warm. Yeah. everywhere yeah. and you just oh. like holy crap holy crap holy crap <laughs> 
it goes from this like really cool like military game to all of a sudden like a zombie shoot them up like yeah yeah and, and that, I tell you what, in Halo 4, I missed the flood. I really did. Yeah. Do you ever play the game on, like, the highest level, like the oh, Legendary? Yeah. I beat the first one on Legendary. I, I still, I have put the most time in on the first one than any of them. I beat that one by myself on Legendary, but I tried two, and I could never get past that opening hangar. I don't, yeah, that's about the same with me. I think on all of them, playing on Legendary, I can't get past the first pretty much... I was determined on Halo 1, buddy. It took me some time, but I did it. I did it. I used to play with my friend, and we you know, we figured out that if, as long as one of you guys stay alive, you'll continuously respawn. Right. So we would just, like, be, like, barricade somewhere, like, undercover. One of us would just, like, run into a death charge, take out as many guys as it could, <laughs> right, die. Then the next guy would just do it, and we would just, like, systematically clear the game like that. Wow. But I, and then I think which one was it? The game ended with like this, like you had to race the warthog out of like the blow, the ship that was blowing up. That was three. One was like that too. Was it one ended like that too? One ended that was way. It? Yeah, you were in a warthog and you were in the big the mall ship that was crashed and you set off the like the reactor in it. The whole ship was gonna blow up, taking yeah. Out I the think halo. it was one. Hmm. That race was so intense. But on legendary we were so correct. close and was like oh my god we're just we're not gonna make it we're not gonna make it and yeah. at the very end like you know i jumped out i was just like i'm just gonna try to clear these people for you and just i'm running like getting shot up it was uh it was probably one of the best like end scenes to a game that i can really remember just how intense it was absolutely now and the one jack's talking about was <laughs> which may be the one you're thinking of was even more cinematic because as you're driving like chunks of the floor are falling yeah, out behind yep. you and there's one point where you jump really high and like nosedive toward this ramp that looks it's far away and they make it look like you're never going to make the jump but of course you do <laughs> the Simpsons yeah, we're going to make oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's definitely the one because I remember that ridiculous jump that you had to make yeah when when we were playing that when it first came out on release day on Halo 3, it was me, Jeff, and Alex were playing. And Alex was driving the Warthog. Jeff was in the passenger seat. I was sitting on the turret. And we're sitting there cruising. Alex is driving, missing all the holes on the thing. And then he comes up to that jump, the very last jump when you make it into the ship. And while we're in midair, Jeff just dips out and jumps out. <laughs> <laughs> it was so funny. That was the end, and then the game was over, and we were both dying. Oh Did my he goodness. mean to? Was it an accident? I don't know. It was Jeff. I don't know. I, that's, what I'm, that's why I'm asking. <laughs> Knowing Jeff, he was, it was probably like, this is now my time to do something funny, yeah. you know? And that's when you could, when they first were able to do uh, screenshots on Xbox, because it was on 360. <laughs> so that, oh, that, you're right. That picture is immortalized. I think Alex has it somewhere. I've got yeah, a like lot an of Halo shot 3. of just a guy falling to his death, right? Yeah, you just see him <laughs> jumping out the side of the warthog. It was hilarious. I've got a lot of awesome multiplayer uh, screenshots on my Xbox from Halo 3. Mm. Oh, man, I forgot all about that. I'm going to have to dig those out. Was there one where you could had the forge where you could build maps? Yeah, people. but that was a, I made some awesome maps, but I only ever had a, like two or three like people I played with, so mm -hmm. it was ever only two or three people playing in them. Like getting outsiders in them was really hard. Yeah. So do. what's the new stuff on five? That's uh, like what are they what are they bringing to the table now? I really don't know. I haven't yeah. researched it a lot. I haven't had time to honestly. I just story wise, uh, I'm pretty vague on how it's going, and then multiplayer. I know there's a lot of I know you can gain. 
points and buy like customization stuff to make you look right. better. And, yeah, and that's like few... Destiny and Call of Duty is now, right? Yeah. These last few Halos, I really liked how they've add, added the uh, the class maker. You know, like you can customize what you're carrying, choose what weapons you yeah, want yep. to an extent, depending on the match. But uh, yeah, it's not just pistol machine gun for everyone. I liked on 4 how you could do the decoy. Oh, you're right. You like just send sit there like and a, send a, like a hologram of yourself running. Yeah, that so was many cool. people with that. It was hilarious. What else? Well, there was the jetpack. <laughs> yeah, in the cloaking. That's one I always use with the invisibility. There's still the the bubble shield that you throw on the ground. That's right. What else is there? Man, the best thing to come out of three, in my opinion, and the best vehicle that it's never really resurfaced was the brute chopper. Remember that from Halo? I don't 3? remember that one. Uh. Uh-uh. And I think it was in an ODST. It was just a great big uh, wheel with spikes on it that you kind of drug behind in like a sleigh. But it was like a big that. motorcycle and just mowing people down, had these thrusts on it. You don't remember that? <laughs> no. No. Let me pull this up. You got it. You'll know it once you see it. What were the motorcycles called in like one and two again? I forgot what they had. They had a cool name though. I don't remember a motorcycle in one and two. Okay, there it is. I don't, I still don't remember it though. What's your uh, favorite Covenant? Character, I guess, like what type? Like the grunts or the? I like the little guys. They were like stupid. They would yeah. like make all these crazy noises when you shot them. The little, were well, the ones with the big like mohawk. They look like giant. Li- no, they make yeah the big mohawk. They look like ladybugs almost, right? Okay, yeah, yeah they, I know. What you're like about. walking bugs with yeah. gas masks on. Yeah, yeah. And they would like <laughs> fall to the floor and like They'd run cringe. around and scream. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there was a uh, level in the first. One of the levels in the campaign of the first Halo that you walk into the room and all those little grunts are scattered everywhere, but they're all asleep. And there are two elite guards walking around with swords, like guarding everything. So you have to sneak in real silent and take out those guards. If you use your gun, everybody wakes up and starts shooting you. So you have to do it all stealth like, man, I did that so many times. It was so fun. (laughs) What's your favorite species of Covenant? Um, mine was, at least in Halo 1, was the Hunter. The great big, uh... That's mine, too. Monstrous things. Yeah, I love those things. They were so much fun to play with. Because you couldn't just go at them with a machine gun or a shotgun. You had to get behind them with their weak spots. Yeah, Yeah. and I always just used a pistol on them. Because you get two or three good shots in their back, uh... They were down, but it was almost kind of a dance with them. They've made them a lot harder in uh, Halo 2 and 3 and <laughs> yeah. uh, everything since. But those first few games, it was fun to play with them and uh, take them down. I don't know why. It was cool. I remember when they would, you'd see two of them come out. Mm-hmm. I was just like, oh, God. Yeah. They're Here intimidating. Come, yeah. <laughs> How am I going to take this down? Now, did you use the Covenant weapons when you found them? Or did you like like Master Chief's just machine gun? That is almost always the, the machine gun. Yeah, I like that too. Depending what what was, was available. I mean, if I had the uh, like the plasma right, uh, not rifle, but uh, plasma. What was it called? That blue. They charge up. You wouldn't charge it. It just shot like the blue plasma balls. Plasma. Yeah. Oh yeah, I think it was plasma rifle. There was a handgun you could charge. Yeah, no, it wasn't that one. I hated that thing. But I, uh, like the uh, I was able remember? to use it. 
Remember the needler to shoot all those like oh, yeah. things? Oh yeah, great. The pink fluffy. Yeah. That was <laughs> that was. It's probably my favorite covenant uh, weapon, especially in the newer games. It's it's like so it's cool like to like home in on you. Yeah, you to get an arc it. going on like one of your enemies as you're uh, taking them yeah. down. Like as you take your sights away, all the needles keep going yeah. back toward them. If you know how to use that thing, you are lethal. Yeah. Yeah. The carbine I hated because it would overheat on you. You didn't yeah. get that yeah. many shots on it. Yeah. The sniper was a lot of fun, but I just hated how the bullet traced you right back to where... Where you were hiding. We're hiding, exactly. <laughs> so you had to get two good shots and get the heck out of Dodge. My favorite was the missile launcher. Yeah, the rocket launcher <laughs> was the best. You didn't have to aim, you didn't have to do anything, you just shot it with the rocket. Shot somebody with a rocket, that was it. The if they had the Banshee, it would lock onto them. That was oh, one yeah. Of too. That was the, my favorite. The laser, remember the laser? Yeah. That was pretty cool. The, the SMG dual wielding in Halo 2, that was a big thing to come out. Uh, that, yeah, that was I remember that was huge. I forgot what game they had the giant, like, Warhammers, too. Like, the oh, big mallets. Oh, that was the third one. Yeah, that was a good. The hammer was great. You just yeah, run through people. Yeah, I forgot and about the hammer. Smash them the in the face hammer. Yeah, yeah. Because they ended up on the online community. They made up a game called, like, Griffball or something with those hammers in Forge. They made, like, a big soccer arena. <laughs> with two goals at one end. And remember, uh, did you ever use the Forge? No. There was a great big uh, oversized soccer ball in there. So they dropped that soccer ball in the middle, and there was a red team and a blue team all armed with hammers. And you've got to use the hammers to take out the other team and to go, get goals. It was fun. <laughs> and it caught on because they ended up putting it in the like, rotation with playlists and stuff. Yeah, and that was uh, like a customized board somebody made? It started that way, but yeah, it was uh, so many people were playing it. They added it to the normal, uh, like uh, I don't remember what they used to call it on the weekends, double XP weekend kind of stuff. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, we're uh, we're losing track of time. We're almost <laughs> uh, halfway through the show here. We need to get moving <laughs> on. But I'm, we'll, I'm sure we'll uh, bring Halo back up in oh, yeah. retro roundtable. There's hours and hours and hours of talking mm-hmm. to be had on the topic of Halo. All right, let's move right into uh, talking about some comic books. Who would like to go first this week? I'll go first. Take it away, Frank. So the comic I would like to bring up, I don't know if you guys, um, recently a comic, so I, I, I buy almost every single one of my comics digitally, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, for the longest time, I never read any Dark Horse stuff because they weren't on Comic Exology. But recently they had all their single issues and stuff just uploaded to Comic, comic Exology, and I, uh, I picked up Rebels, which is uh, Brian Wood is the writer, and um, I don't know, I, I'm probably gonna butcher this guy's name or, or girl's name, but Andrea uh, Mutai is the artist and Jordi Belair is the colorist. It's, um, it's basically, it's like, it's about the Revolutionary War. Oh so wow, that'd place, be cool. It takes place in the Revolutionary War up in uh, the area like that would you know, become Vermont eventually. And uh, it's like a historical fiction it's like the start of like how like the revolution basically happened up there. Follows you know a handful of fictional characters, but surrounds them with um, like Ethan Allen shows up and um, George Washington, and you know you, you hear all these like real names and like real people from the revolutionary times, but then you're following like this made-up character called uh, Abbott. His name's like oh man, I forgot his name, but that doesn't matter. But he, he's you know he's just like this little kid, and the war starts. He 
the you know the redcoats are coming and they're they're trying to take the lands away from uh, his father and the people in the town and they're imposing these taxes and they just you know one day just decide that you know they've had enough and they start basically shooting and killing them anytime they would come onto their land and it shows like how like everything just started up and how it like progressed it's really really good i really like historical fiction a lot and i really like brian wood stuff i don't know if you guys have read much of his work not that i can um, uh, think, think of he um so like his i guess his main works are like um i've read uh, northlanders which is uh, a vertigo title that's like all about vikings and it's 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 really good actually um and so it basically like just follows like all these different little stories subsets and uh in like with vikings as characters and uh his other like main one that he came up with was this one called dmz um which was like this political um political drama which i've never read <clears throat> but um i really like you know like like his voice and like how he writes stuff and uh, there's everything that has like a little like political undertone to it, you know, so he's always like kind of trying to say something, um, you know, about the world and like to show us a little bit of something, but like wrapping it into like a really, really good story that's grounded in reality. Mm-hmm. So and the art on this is really awesome. The colors are amazing. It's just a really, really engaging story. So I, I read the first three issues. I'm going to probably pick up the rest, uh, you know, slowly over time. Uh, so- really, really good. These fit not oh, excuse me. These fictional characters you're saying are coming in contact with like a uh, George Washington and stuff like that. Now, are they just coming into contact with these characters, or are they actually uh, uh, coming in contact with them during historical events? Like, are you getting a different perspective of a historical event? So, like the the events are real, um, and there's like a little message I like at the beginning, beginning where it's like. You know, the events are real. Some people may not exactly have been where they were at the exact time, like just for, um, you know, like story purposes. Like maybe Ethan Allen wasn't there at that exact time. But like every, like the major battles and the, all the major stuff are real. Um, it's just like the the story of, of, you know, this this one guy and his wife and how he has to like go off and fight this war while his wife's holding down like the fort and like raising this house by herself. and the toll it's taken on, you know, their little family and like the divide of, you know, these people up in like New Hampshire having to like go off to war to fight for like, you know, Virginia and, you know, like his wife is a lot of times like, oh, you're leaving me again to go fight for the Virginians. And you kind of like makes you like think back like to that time, like, you know, they didn't, it wasn't like you know for us it'd be like oh there's a fight going on in virginia like we're all like americans so we would all be like hey we gotta get involved in this like back then it was like you know they were probably like fuck virginia (laughs) 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 so like you know his wife's like you can go fight for the virginians he's like well that's the point we're trying to get to is where we're all together we're all united there'll be no more virginians and new hampshire's we'll all just be americans um, and all, the part where I'm at right now is like 1775, so it's like one year before the Declaration of Independence. Oh wow! Um, and it's building up to like a real like interesting like crescendo so far. I'm really interested to see where it goes. Yeah, that sounds intriguing. I've never even heard of that mm. before. Yeah, and Brian <clears throat> Brian Wood's really good. I, uh, I had the opportunity to talk to him for um, Comic Crusaders, an interview I did for ComicCrusaders.com. And uh, I mean, he's a he's a really interesting dude, and he has like a lot of really deep, like interesting 
ideas and I like when I like when people talk about like like write about you know important stuff and stuff that's going on like without getting too too heavy um and like you know like some of the stuff that's out there now is like especially when it comes to like american stuff like so like most writers are gonna fall on the left side you know of politics mm -hmm. which is just you know that's just the way it usually works uh and even i i, I kind of lean very left so but like when you like i don't like stories like when it's like like America sucks, you know what I mean? Like when people write like all these stuff and like look at all the bad things America's doing and like right. doesn't America suck so much? Aren't you so ashamed to be American? Cause like really, yeah, yeah, I know there's a lot of shitty things that we probably do, but like I'm not ashamed to be American. I don't really have any like emotional connection to the story anymore. You know what I mean? Right. Like so, like the, this story is like really good because it like takes you back to like almost like the foundation when that all those ideals were like really pure. You know? Sure. Mm. It's like oh man, I don't know. You like when you like every time I finish the issue, I was like man, it's like if you feel good about like being American. Like yeah, makes you, really, it makes you think after. Yeah, you're like, yeah, man, we really fucked those people up. Good job, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> Makes you want to go buy some hot dogs, potato salad, yeah. and fireworks, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's good to see, like, you know, a story where America is, like, the good guys again. Right. Even if we have to go back uh, 200 something years for it. Well, that's really cool, man. It's, it's cool to hear that you, uh, you really got a passion for it mm -hmm. and for, like, uh, American history. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. I was, I'm, I'm, I was very happy when uh, Dark Horse released all their books again on comic exology, which uh, I was like, yes. Although it, it sucked because um, Sabu Kaleri uh, released his um, his See You Next Tuesday book the same day, through Aces Eights Press on comic exology, the same day that Dark Horse released every single single issue of their catalog so like oh, on the wow. new issue day when you went to go like click new issue like that one day instead of there being like 70 new comics there was 700 new comics <laughs> oh, i was man. like oh, i'm sorry sal <laughs> it's like you're buried in here somewhere <laughs> but uh we did our best to you know promote it so hopefully it didn't make that big a difference. But I was like, oh, what, what, a, what a bad day for this to happen. <laughs> yeah, wouldn't you just want to kick yourself? Oh, well, how was how was he supposed to know? Yeah, that's the thing with comic massage. They don't really tell you anything. Right, exactly. Awesome. That was Rebels by Brian Wood. Mm -hmm. All right. You want to go next? Me go next? No, I'll go next. Okay. I read the fourth issue of Salvagers that just came out. Oh. Couple couple weeks ago, last something, month I think it was something, something like, like that. that. Yeah. yeah, it's out on comic comicsology. I just checked to see if it was on there or not. But it, yeah, it is, and it picks up at the end of well issue three when they were everybody the three characters are on a ship trying to find uh, whether there were supplies or something some cargo and they had to go pick up and they ended up finding turning the power on on the ship which turned on a bunch of robots that were attacking them. And Tyr, Brigby, and the captain, they got separated. So it's Tyr and Brigby. They're trying to shut the power off to get the robots to stop while mm -hmm. the captain's getting chased by the the robots. I don't want to go too much into it because it's it's still pretty new. Grigby being the uh, like the kind of gecko-looking yeah. fella. Yeah, yeah, I liked him. He's kind of... <laughs> to me, he kind of... They all remind me of... The whole book reminds me of kind of like Guardians in 
the alien movie timeline, I guess, where there's hmm. big, big spaceships, not just like small fighter ships. It's all big, big spaceships. Okay. In deep space. And then Guardians with the characters, they're just the misfit team thrown together. Hmm. And then Brigby reminds me kind of a rockety rocket. Right oh, there. is that right? Yeah. Just he, he's always fixing stuff and has his uh, sarcastic attitude, I right. guess. I tell you what, uh, Salvagers is really seems to be taking off. Uh, yeah. There's always uh, new pictures on uh, like Instagram and on Twitter, and especially a, like a large amount of cosplayers I've been seeing dressing up as the character. I know. Well, the writer Bob Sally had a girl dressed up like uh, I can't remember the what her name is. I know what you're talking about. Tegan. Though. I, I saw that. Yeah, wearing the the suit, and mm-hmm. she's got the purple hair and pink skin. Mm-hmm. Talk about a way to sell the book is to have a cosplayer stand right up. Hey, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> the booth, babes. Yeah, <laughs> that one's free, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> That's yes. an image book. What's that? Is that an image book? No, it's uh, what's their name? I don't remember. You just got a new label. I have to look it up real quick. I can't remember. It's a good book, though. Have you ever seen it, Frank? Have you read it? I've seen it, like, on Twitter, like, floating around. I haven't read it. Think like Productions. Think like. Oh, yeah, I've seen them. Uh, yeah, I'm going to have to check that out. Sounds really cool. Yeah, is. Bob Sally book. writes it. George Acevedo's the artist. DeSica is the colorist. And HDE is the letterer. And you got that in print? Or uh, no, I got it. Uh, the PDF for the Kickstarter. I'm oh, still awesome. waiting for the... The trade to come out, well, to get that. It's at the printers right now, as far as I know. It's amazing how Kickstarter has become, like, such a big publisher of comics. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I guess that leaves me. So my uh, book this week is from uh, also a guest we've had on the show, a couple of them, actually, not too long ago, uh, Michael Terracciano. I think that's, I think a, that's uh, yeah, right. I think I, think I got right. that right. <laughs> he would be proud of me if, he yeah. was, uh, if he's listening. And uh, Garth Graham with their uh, online comic called uh, Star Power. And they were on a few weeks ago promoting their Kickstarter, which is, my God, how much money do they have now? Like 30, almost 32,000, I think, something like that. Crazy amount. Yeah, Yeah, they funded really fast. So did they hit all their stretch goals or close to it almost? They got all but the last one. The last one was (laughs) 45,000. They got 24 hours. As of Monday evening, so I wouldn't be the least bit surprised if it hit. But <laughs> so uh, they were nice enough to se- uh, nice enough to send us uh, a copy of the book. So I took a look at it because I hadn't had a chance to read it before we had them on, and it was a what I've read so far was a lot of fun, and I think I'm gonna probably be hooked into reading this, which is a good thing because it's a free comic. Mm-hmm. It's online. I think they put give a new page what every, like three days a week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I think right. And uh, so I strongly recommend checking it out. But, uh, yeah, pretty much the setup. It's you follow. It's set in 3014. And uh, you're the story starts on a space station, Space Station 6, which is kind of like a uh, it's a library in a scientific research center where people kind of come and just exchange information. And you start following what seems to be I don't know if she's would be considered a, a cadet, but like a, a student of some kind. Uh, or maybe just uh, an assistant, uh, Danica Maris. And uh, she's just been watching stars with an astronomer, like a doctor, just checking out different stars throughout the galaxy. And there's one that she's fixated on that she has nicknamed Mitch. That, uh, (laughs) yeah, 
which is really called uh, the classified name for it is MTC uh, 235. Mm. But she's named it Mitch, and her uh, higher ups say, just quit looking at that star. There's no significance to it. Leave it alone. But for some reason, she's drawn to it. So uh, by herself in her quarters, gets her little telescope out and fixes on it and is watching it. And it's almost like it sees her watching it or something. But next thing you know, the light from that star like fills up her telescope and the light shoots out the eye beam and fills the room. And when the light comes down, she is what you see here in her this white outfit, white hair, mm. looking pretty badass, if you ask me. <laughs> but uh, she becomes Star Power. That's her name. Yeah, but what she was looking at through the telescope wasn't a star at all. It was the star power that uh, used to be divided up amongst the star power sentinels, who are kind of like galactic guardian kind of entities. Kind of, yeah. I, I don't, they doesn't let up too much about them yet. But uh, she has taken in all the power that's meant to be distributed amongst the sentinels. She's taken it all in, so she has become star power. Hmm. And uh, she can fly, she can breathe in space, doesn't need any kind of, uh, you know, breathing apparatus. Very strong. She was tearing through these enemy ships. There was these kind of like pirate-looking characters that they didn't really explain. They were more than pirates, but uh, I didn't read enough to find out exactly who they were. But they're attacking this research center, the Space Station 6. And uh, the room she's actually in gets shot, and she gets sucked out into space. When she That's when she realizes she can breathe, she can fly, so she starts tearing these ships up. And <laughs> Boy, she's awesome. <laughs> but you're, where I left off at the end of Chapter 1, it's just starting to get deep. You know, you're starting to see, uh, who I guess, who the enemy will be kind of thing. That's about a hundred and some page book. Yeah, it's a big book. Yeah. <laughs> but, it's uh, impressive they put out three pages a week. That's... That's really impressive. And the art is amazing on it, too. Yeah. Yeah, I checked it out after you guys had them on. Usually what I'll do is, if I, when I listen to your show, I'll I'll follow the people that you guys have on on Twitter. And I'll go oh, check nice. out their stuff. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I was really I was really impressed with that. Yeah, that it was story. a good book. I can see why they're making so much money on Kickstarter. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really impressed with that as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too. I've never seen anything like it. No. But yeah, so that's uh, that's it in a nutshell. Star Power. You can go to starpowercomic.com and read it for free. And uh, you can still jump on over to Kickstarter. Well, it'll probably be over by yeah, the time. Yeah, it'll be over by the time. Well, it's too late for you. But hey, you know what? It was successfully funded, so it won't probably be too hard to get your hands on. When I think it they're going to go to cons, too, so you could probably get it there. Yeah. But it's free online. I think they, the whole archive's on there, right? Uh, yeah, when I yeah. went to the website, there was just tons and tons of pages. Yeah, um, so there you go. Yeah, and it looked amazing. All right, and with that, let's just move right into... Real World Heroes! Jack, who do we have this week? This week we have Angela Gwynn. Angela Gwynn? Yeah. And what has she done to deserve a spot on our wall of justice? She is a Domino's pizza driver. This happened, it was in the news, uh, the beginning of this month. October 2015. Okay. Up in Lake Ham, Ham Lake, Minnesota. Uh, she's a Domino's pizza delivery driver. It's not Domino's pizza anymore. It's just Domino's. Oh, okay. But uh, she... <laughs> <laughs> the important details. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> she, <laughs> what Domino's are you talking about? She's changed a man's life and inspired the entire community to act on a discovery she made while delivering this pizza. 
What'd she find? She was delivering pizza to this guy named... What's his name? Lee Haas. He's a 76-year-old guy who's been living alone in a 12-foot-long camper. Uh, no plumbing, no electricity, no heat. And I guess he's had a, a couple of rough hits in his life. You know, that's a stinky trailer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, his, his house was severely damaged into a storm, and his son also died in a snowmobile, snowmobile accident. Oh, that's oh, awful. And I, I guess he pretty much had said that he doesn't really have much more to live for. Um, it was during the summer when she first delivered a pizza to him, so she you know, delivered a pizza and didn't think much of it. But after a little bit later, another delivery driver went up there and it was getting cold and said that, you know, he doesn't have any heat in there and he was there shivering. So she ended up going out buying a heater for him and delivered that to him and then put a GoFundMe page up. And a lot of people in the community started giving him money and food and stuff. Really? Yep. And then later on, a construction company that heard about it decided that they were going to build him a small house just in time for the winter time oh nice yeah. that what a generous thought. man can you imagine yeah, that kind of stuff does not happen in New Jersey <laughs> 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 they're not altruistic people here oh man <laughs> wow that's amazing what was her name again Angela Angela wonder how old she was is she a younger girl or? Uh, not that, that it matters just curious you got to be a certain age before you do nice stuff. <laughs> you can do nice stuff in that when you're young and have it be creditable, but no. No matter how old you are, Angela, you have found a spot on our wall of justice. In the hall of heroes. So, wow, what an amazing deed. Keep up the good work. Yeah. That's amazing. You have saved somebody's life. You are that person's hero. Very cool. All right. Well, with that, let's just turn our full attention over to Frank Mueller of AcesAndEightsPress.com and talk about what he's got up his sleeve. Thanks for being with us, Frank. Thanks for having me. Now, I think the last time we had you on, Issue 2, two. Yep. had just come out, and you were just talking about Issue 3 coming out. Issue 3's been out for a little while now, and Issue 4 just came out, is that right? Yeah, issue 4 is about, about a month and a half out. So, I mean, it's, you know, we're, we're plugging along, um, you know, probably put out like an issue every like three months or so. Um, we're almost done with issue five. So hopefully that gets up there and like, hopefully in the next, before the end of this year. So, you know, the story's, you know, moving along. Just to set up for the, for the listeners, uh, the story follows Graydon Cross, who's been sent to hell by God. To uh, kill the devil, but if he kills him, he becomes him, right? Yep. So that you know, that's uh, that's the essential pitch is that Graydon Cross one day is a, he's just a normal, regular dude. He works a works a job. He's a bit of a selfish guy, but you know, not terribly evil. Just like a normal guy, he does bad things, does good things. Comes home one day, finds that uh, his wife and the kids have been murdered, and the person that had killed them uh, turned out to be the devil and kills him. And then when he goes to, when he dies, God comes to him and gives him a choice. He could either go to heaven or he could go to hell and seek vengeance against Satan. The catch is, though, that if he kills Satan, he has to become him. So Graydon decides that he's going to go to hell. He's going to kill Satan for killing his family and killing him. Gets sent down there. And when he gets down there, God had given him powers where he is essentially as strong as the strongest demon in that realm 
Um, and they're also, another setup is that there, there are seven total realms of hell. Um, so it's almost like, in, in some ways it's almost like a video game, like he has to beat like each different level to get to the end boss. Um, so we're right now we're still young, we're still in the first realm and, and we're, uh, we're setting up a lot of stuff. But when Graydon gets down there, uh, he has, he realizes that he, he basically is super strong. And he uh, he can't be cut or burned, except for dragon teeth, uh, for whatever reason, um, which will become apparent pretty soon in issue five, that dragon teeth uh, seem to be the only thing that can uh, harm him. I so, remember that, yeah. So he, right now, he, uh, in, you know, we had him go to hell, he ends up uh, fighting a dragon, because, you know, that seemed like a pretty awesome thing to write. <laughs> and uh, so he fights this dragon, and he, during the middle of the fight, the dra he, he beats the dragon, and the dragon is kind of like, you know, like an animal that you know has been beaten, recognizes him as its master, and uh, he has the ability to fly, ride the dragon, and you know, go about this world. Uh, and that's something that nobody has ever done in this world before. So. Um, they get very, very nervous, and we find that like this plan that God has uh, sent people, gave him power to people, and send them down to assassinate Satan. Uh, this plan has been done before. Like God is, he's he's tried this before. You know, it's uh, it's not something that is new to them. But now that they find out that Graydon can ride this dragon, uh, the powers that be in this realm, which is a fallen angel named Ardite Lyle. Uh, and her consort, which is a, a man named Dimitri, who is also one of the uh, destroyers, which is what they call the people that God has given this power to. Um, and Dimitri is a World War II vet in the Russian Red Army that had come down to hell uh, and had decided after he realized that he was stronger and tougher than everybody there that he really didn't want to kill Satan anymore. He's just going to hang out here and like, enjoy like being you know the ruler of this world with art at lyle who's uh this beautiful fallen angel that falls in love that has very like type uh relationship to them where they're in love with each other but they're also sort of uh you know both kind of evil and um you know they they decide that well we need to do something about grading because he has this power to ride dragons, which has never been done before. So there's something really unique with him. So Ardan Lau sends Graydon to, basic sends Dimitri basically to uh, confront Graydon and either, you know, recruit him to their side or kill him. And uh, the end of issue four is basically their their confrontation and then this pretty epic fight that goes on for about 13 issues and. A lot of blood and a lot of beatings and a lot of a lot of cool stuff happens and uh, and, and it ends off there. So it's uh, it's been a pretty wild ride so far. Pretty I'm pretty happy with where we got and uh, and I'm I'm really looking forward to the next issue because I think that I think that the next two issues are really the best stuff I've written in a long time. So yeah, I'm really excited good. for that stuff to come out. Yeah, they've been a they've been a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. I can't wait to keep reading. Yeah, it's it's done like it's got like um and it's almost like. I, I would like to say like this has been part of my plan the whole time, but you know, I, I really didn't set out to make it like feel like a heavy metal pulpish type comic. You know, when I first sat down to write it, I think um, you know I was kind of aiming for like Spartacus and Hell, 
I think that like was like what I originally like intended to go, but just you know, with the way Kellick draws and like the way like everything you know, the uh, colors and the way it feels, it, it has a very like pulpy like it, it feels like a story you would pull out of like heavy metal in like the nineteen like seventies. Wow, you know? man, I was just thinking heavy metal. <laughs> yes. So so it's you know it's it's got that type of feel and you know if you like that kind of stuff. Um, everybody really should just check that out. It's got, you know, a lot of gore, a lot of violence, a lot of sex, everything, uh, you know, that you would find in a 1977 metal story. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and, you know, a, a pretty deep and entertaining story, like, centered around these people and, you know, their emotions and what, you know, what happens in this world where... It's not like a typical fire and brimstone hell. It's more like a Lord of the Rings type world where there are other like inhabitants of this world. There's like Cyclopses and there's like these elves and dragons and other humans. But like the people in the world are all still in hell. Everybody there is sort of bad. He has different levels of bad, but everybody there is sort of bad. So, right. you know, when you take that element of morality out of you know people like where do they stop drawing the line and that's like what i kind of want to explore as the series goes on and great and it's just like you know like we all go about our lives and we do what we do and there's like an element of like we're doing this because it's good there you know and there's like a, a you know we don't do this because it's bad but what happens when like there is no more like don't do that because it's bad it's just everybody around you is bad like how quickly to somebody just sort of descent into that madness where they realize now that being bad is kind of like almost being good, mm -hmm. you know, and, and you know, what, what really polices them to behave themselves, you know, and it, it's going to get dark pretty quick. And I, I like how you, uh, <clears throat> you added those extra dimensions to hell, you know, like you were saying how it's kind of like Lord of the Rings, like all of hell is not fire and brimstone. Mm, There's actually yeah. like grassy plains, uh, trees, that kind of area of hell too. Something you would never expect. It kind of reminds me of like, even though the movie is real cheesy, but Army of Darkness. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just like I love Armory Duck. He's like uh, Bruce Campbell's character, just the regular guy in this area with all these monsters and stuff. But he's like the cool guy, no fear and stuff. Right. And he'll do what he wants. Right. I kind of that's, that. that, yeah, cool. that's a very fair comparison. He doesn't have the <laughs> awesome one liners that Bruce Campbell has. I don't yeah. think anybody can write those other Bruce Campbell. <laughs> <laughs> no chainsaw. I'm really arm. looking forward to the uh, to the Star series that's coming out, Ashford yeah. Evil Dead. I, uh, I'm a big fan of that show. Yeah, I, I could definitely see, like, Army of Darkness in there as well. Um, yeah, I mean, that may have slipped into my subconscious as well as I, like, set everything up. But, I mean, the world and line, a lot of the artistic, like, setups and stuff like that, a lot of that goes to my artist, Kellek Iskander, and his, his sensibilities. And he, he's out in, um, in Indonesia. Uh, wow. So you could kind of get, like, that, like, you could feel that sense of, like... Um, like if you ever notice like the way they all dress and stuff it's got like this almost Persian type feel to it um, that's very very cool I, I, I like you know like everybody is like their weapons and their armors they all feel very like you know like set and like you know like you would expect like you know seeing out of like Lawrence of the Arabia or something like that right um, just straight swords and the axes right yeah like, it's not like World of Warcraft you yeah. know what I mean um, it's it's 
it's like a little more uh, subdued than that. And I think that makes it seem like a little bit more real. Like the mm-hmm. stakes are a little higher because these people aren't like, you know, heavily clad and all this plate and like armor. And it's like not as anime-ish. It's more like, you know, people are like strung together like furs and whatever they can find. Because there's not a lot of resources in that world. Um, you know, it's more... Like, well, whatever we could find, we could sort of slap together and make, you know, our armor with. Um, and grading a lot, a lot of ways, he's going through things and he's learning and he's, he's trying to, you know, become this warrior because he was never a warrior. He was just like a business guy who one day came home and this whole thing happened. So he needs to learn, you know, how to be a warrior, how to fight, how to do all that stuff. Yeah, I, I think um, when I started, like, God, it's been like a year and a half now that I think I've been starting doing all this stuff. Um, you know, I really didn't expect the, expect it to to be as much fun as I, I've had with it. I <laughs> I kind of was like, hey, you know, I'm just going to do this because I always really wanted to do a comic. And like, I'm just going to do one comic, you know. And I, I think I convinced my wife. Like, I was like, hey, I'm going to take some money out of the account and I'm going to make a comic book. And, you know, God bless her. She was like, okay. Because my wife doesn't really care for comics, like, at all. So, like, if Spider-Man could swing through the house, and she'd be like, I think I saw Batman fly by. (laughs) (laughs) You know? If you want to go do that, go do that. Fine. So I went and made the first one, and, like, after I made the first one, I was like, yeah, I really like doing this, and um, I'm just not going to stop. And she's like, well, you're going to stop eventually. I'm like, no, no, I'm just going to keep making comics. That's just going to be my thing I do. (laughs) It's just like, whatever. I guess guess there are worse things you can spend your money on. Yeah, that's true. I'm not doing drugs. That's kind of plus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very I'm not gambling. I'm not drinking. I'm just writing stories about demons. taking their clothes off and stabbing each other <laughs> they're fun though you need to take a cd of heavy metal music without words and play it while you're reading this book i mean it would just it fits so well <laughs> just you know crazy and, bass drums and electric guitars and and i mean i've written a lot of stuff you know before all the stuff um but a lot of stuff i had written were like screenplays and things that really never went too far um, so this was really my first like comic comic that I had wrote and that was about a year and a half ago So I've written like a bunch more comics now and I feel like every every issue gets that much better like the art team gets more comfortable and more like uh, Comfortable with the characters and start to really understand like who they are and like how how you know how they present themselves I start to understand the characters a lot more um, So it's like it's it's a great lesson in terms of like progression uh, and you know, in the medium, like for anybody who's like, you know, thinking about getting into writing comics or making their own comics, like if you look at my first issue and then look at like my fourth issue, you know, you'll be like, you can see the progression. And uh, I, I think that like the next couple issues are going to be even that much better. So uh, I'm I'm just so proud of like the team and how we're really coming together and we're we're you know making this thing and uh, and getting better every with every page. You can tell, uh, you know, from issue one to uh, well, we've, we've read up to three yep. that they're uh, they're getting a lot tighter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's yeah, exciting Vic, to see. My colorist Victoria Pickman is uh, she she's absolutely the best, um, and she's getting so good at coloring. Like, like um, I mean, I show people this stuff, and you know, I, I've sent it out to a few like companies and stuff like that, and. Um, 
you know, I've gotten really good responses back from publishers. I think um, at the time when I made the comic, they, most publishers had came back to me and they're like, look, the market is just completely oversaturated with stories about heaven and hell. They're like, I, I, they're like, we can't have any more stories about falling angels and demons and that stuff. So yeah, I was like, all right, but you know, like, what do you think of the book? And everyone's like, you know, it's it's good. Um, you know, your writing's really good. Your, you know, the art's really good, and the colors are outstanding. So it's like, whenever I get like notes back from everybody, like, she always gets like the top marks, and I think she's gotten so much better with all the stuff that she's capable of doing. So. Um, I mean, she's gotten, she's really the glue that holds the whole project together because so much stuff I'm like, Vicky, can you fix this? Can you do this? Because I don't, I, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm from, aside from, from that generation that can't play first person shooters and that generation that like still thinks computers are a little bit magic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so like, and whenever like people are like, oh, just YouTube this video and figure it out. I'm like, I don't know how to do any of that stuff. Like, I'm just going to ask Vicky and she's going to fix it for me. <laughs> like, wow. oh, Vicky, I don't know what this is. They said something about a TIFF file. I don't know what that is. <laughs> it sounds like it's mean. I don't yeah. know what that is. It's, I just want a comic, so here's the stuff. Give me a comic. Right. <laughs> um, but well, yeah, so we've been doing that, and Ace and Ace Press has been doing um, you know, Salvador Bricolari. We just released See You Next Tuesday, which is uh, his webcomic on Comic Exology, and I think next Wednesday, issue two is going to come out as well, or either next Wednesday or the Wednesday after. I'll give you... Uh, I'll give the exact date for the show notes, but I'm really yeah. excited for that as well. So that's now we have two titles under our belt, which is nice. And um, and I and see next Tuesday is just absolutely great. Yeah, so, it's a lot of fun. And then other than that, I've been working on a project with uh, with Tyler Souls, um, which we're still finishing up. And uh, that story is a pretty wild story, but uh, it's called Fall Streak. And if you go to his Twitter, you see a bunch of uh, like he he posts a lot of pictures and stuff from it. Um, and I, I mean, Tyler's awesome. Tyler's yeah, one is. of the best artists I've ever worked with in my life. The things I ask him to do, um, you know, and he just comes through like without just flawlessly is it's pretty insane. Like if you, if you saw some of my scripts and you know, like, I, I mean, like there's like, there's like nine panel pages. Like I think every panel, every page has like nine panels, eight panels. And like, it's just so good. I'm really excited for that, and that story. Uh, you know, we're we're still, it's still floating around at some bigger publishers right now. So we're kind of like holding our breath and waiting to see what happens. But uh, it's definitely going to be out sometime next year, either on Aces Eight Press or maybe somebody uh, a little bit larger than us. But it'll definitely be out next year, and I plan on running a Kickstarter for it next year as well. So it's going to be. Forward to it. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. It's just, to give you a quick pitch on that, the story of that is. Uh, it's it's basically about a um, uh, a town in Oregon where uh, it, and and a world where the clouds clouds will fall from the sky and when they fall from the sky they crash into the ground and they freeze everything it touches so it's this one town where this cloud falls from the sky crashes into this house and ends up uh, you know killing the people inside and the town. Uh, these two little boys that uh, two teenagers that that witness this event, Matt and Danny, um, you know, and, the, and how it affects them and how it affects their lives in the town. And as they go through, they realize that um, that something strange is happening inside of the frozen house 
they see this uh, the government, uh, this clandestine government agency coming and removing this monstrous body from the uh, from the you know the icy remains. So they start doing some investigations and they realize that when the when the cloud hits the house and it freezes, it also unleashes this like ice monster. Um, that it just attacks people. So, what? yeah. So it's it, it's pretty wild. Um, it's like a mix of like the Hardy Boys. I pitched it as like the Hardy Boys meets the X Files. Oh, I can um, get behind yeah. that. Yeah. And it's uh, it's got. I don't know if you ever seen Super Eight, but uh, it it has like that Super Eight style of it uh, feeling as well. Very 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 um like somber tones. Um, it's in black and white, uh, but with grayscale coloring and art is just amazing. Um, and, uh, I think it's one of my best writing as well. So I'm really looking forward to that and, uh, and, and that coming out next year. That's exciting. Lots, lots, lots happening over yep. at acesnatespress.com. Yeah. yeah. We've been keeping busy. <laughs> I would say so. <laughs> we've been keeping busy. Well, Frank, man, this has been a blast. It's always fun having you on the show. I want to thank you again for being with us today. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. I love uh, I love taking a break from you know life and coming out here and talking about comics and Halo and all that stuff. It's great. Well, I'm glad you can enjoy it even while sitting in your car. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is my, this is my studio. There you <laughs> this go. Is my sound booth. <laughs> all right, everyone, and don't forget to go over to Aces Nate's Press. That's a a eight eight dot com or no 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 a a eight eight press dot com. Follow us on Twitter at aa88pressdoc. Uh, sorry, I messed that one up. <laughs> Follow us on Twitter at aa88press. So that's where we do the most like advertisements and pushes, and you know you can really follow what we're what we're all about. Yeah, and we'll uh, I'm sure after this goes up, we'll have you guys link to us for some time there on the website and mm-hmm. on Twitter. So awesome. Yeah, we'll direct people over that way. Thanks so much, Frank. Thanks for having me. Jack, what do we have on the website? We have the show blog where you can read on notes of what we talked about on the show and find out more about our guests. We have some videos, YouTube videos, some photos, the Canned Air Comic Store, and the Canned Air Comic Book. And don't forget to find us on Twitter at Canned Air Pod and on Instagram at Can underscore Air. Oh, and the Hall of Heroes. Oh, and the Hall of Heroes. <laughs> oh, yeah, the Hall of Heroes. <laughs> boom, 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 boom. Uh, also, speaking of Instagram, we have a little contest going right now. We are looking down the barrel of 100 episodes. Can you believe it? 100 no. episodes. Nope. Never thought we'd get this far. But uh, in celebration, we are on Instagram. We have a little giveaway going. We have an autographed Mighty Morphin Power Rangers card of Zordon, signed by Zordon himself, David J. Fielding, that we are giving away. There's just a few simple rules you have to follow on there and do so. And that's going till November 2nd. Uh, so, yeah, you have until then to get your entries in, and then we will announce the winner on the, excuse me, November 9th on the show and on Twitter. So, if you're interested, get on there and take advantage of it. And don't forget to join us next week, Halloween episode. Oh. And we're welcoming uh, Ben Peters from uh, Season 8 of Face, Face Off. Off. He's yep. going to be here with us uh, talking about his experience on the show and uh, just being in the makeup uh, industry altogether. It seems like it'd be so much fun to do. Yeah, I just I, I wouldn't know where to begin. <laughs> so it'd be cool to pick his brain a little bit. So until next time, I am Jeremy Colley. And I'm Jack Doherty. And I'm Frank Mueller. Thanks for listening, everyone.
don't you come over here and spray paint your name on the wall? But I don't wanna. What are you, chicken? Hold on there, boys. Wow, it's Flint. Instead of writing your name, write cannedairpodcast.com and help spread the word. Well, that's a great idea. Now we know. And knowing is half the battle. G.I. Joe! Well, they all, I mean, they... Oh. This has just gotten a little too weird. It's so (laughs) true. The Korean War has sadly been known as the Forgotten War, but half a century earlier, the United States was locked in a bloody conflict in Asia that's been all but erased from the history books. Hi, I'm Alex Hasty, the host of Ohio vs. the World, an American history podcast on the Evergreen Podcast Network. In our newest episode, we speak to experts about the Philippine-American War, America's first Asian counterinsurgency conflict. The heroes, the villains, will discuss President McKinley, Admiral Dewey, the vicious brutality of the fighting and the scandals and war crimes that nearly sunk Theodore Roosevelt's presidency. Check out our show, Ohio vs. the World, on the Evergreen Podcast Network for our new episode about America's most forgotten war. Now back to the show. Hey, 